Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Judges. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners. My name is Jen and I am the host of the Bible Explained podcast. And I'm so excited that you're here to share a cup of coffee or a cup of tea this morning as we read Judges chapter three. Now, Judges chapter three is very strange. It's very strange. So we're going to get into it and we're going to talk about the assassination of the king of Moab and what was going on here. All right, so let's go ahead and read Judges 3, verses 12 through 31. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. version of the Bible. Please feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer to read out of and join along with me. Once again, that's Judges 3, 12 through 31. The children of Israel again did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. And Yahweh strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. He gathered the children of Ammon and Amalek to himself, and he went and struck Israel, and they possessed the city of palm trees. The children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried to Yahweh, Yahweh raised up a savior for them, Ehud the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. The children of Israel sent tribute to him by Eglon, the king of Moab. Ehud made himself a sword, which had two edges, a cubit in length, and he wore it under his clothing on his right thigh. He offered the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. When Ehud had finished offering the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone idols that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. The king said, keep silence. And all who stood by him left. Ehud came to him and he was sitting by himself alone in the cool upper room. Ehud said, I have a message from God to you. He arose out of his seat. Ehud put out his left hand and took the sword from his right thigh and thrust it into his body. The handle also went in after the blade and the fat closed on the blade, for he didn't draw the sword out of his body and it came out behind. Then Ehud went out onto the porch and shut the doors of the upper room on him and locked them. After he had gone, his servants came and saw that the doors of the upper room were locked. They said, surely he is covering his feet in the upper room. They waited until they were ashamed, and behold, he didn't open the doors of the upper room. Therefore, they took the key and opened them, and behold, their Lord had fallen down dead on the floor. Ehud escaped while they waited, passed beyond the stone idols, and escaped to Sira. When he had come, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the hill country, and he led them. He said to them, Follow me, for Yahweh has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hands. They followed him and took the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites and didn't allow any man to pass over. They struck at that time about 10,000 men of Moab, every strong man and every man of valor. No man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel. Then the land had rest for 80 years. After him was Shagmar, the son of Anath, who struck 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad. He also saved Israel. So there is a lot going on in this story, but as usual, as most uh, stories in the book of Judges begin, it starts by saying the children of Israel again did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. And that always leads to their downfall. Whenever it says that, downfall for Israel is about to happen. Now, in my personal reading, I'm actually going through the Psalms 
because I never actually went fully through the Psalms. But I recently hit Psalm 106. And it was really interesting because Psalm 106 is an entire history of the Israelites. So here's what verses 34 through 39 says. It actually shines a little bit more light on the book of Judges and what the Israelites were doing during the time the book of Judges was being written. It says, Israel failed to destroy the nations in the land as the Lord had commanded them. Instead, they mingled among the pagans and adopted their evil customs. They worshiped their idols, which led to their downfall. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their own sons and daughters. By sacrificing them to the idols of Canaan, they polluted the land with murder. They defiled themselves by their evil deeds and their love of idols was adultery in the Lord's sight. So that definitely shines a little bit more light on to just how corrupt the Israelites had become because they were murdering their own sons and daughters. And that's what Psalms literally says. It says they were shedding innocent blood, the blood of their own children to worship these pagan gods. And that was evil in God's sight. So going back to Judges 3 verse 12, the children of Israel again did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. So they were murdering their own children. And Yahweh strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. God disciplines the people he loves. He disciplines them because he wants them to go back onto the right path. He wants them to live good lives. And so that's why God disciplines us. And so now the Israelites are once again worshiping other idols doing evil things, murdering their own children. And so God disciplines Israel once again. It says Yahweh strengthened this guy named Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. So it says that this king, King Eglon, gathered Ammon and Amalek, like all the warriors of those two tribes, and he went and struck Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. So I'm going to guess that whatever the city of palm trees was, this King Eglon of Moab ended up building himself like an empire in this particular city of palm trees. And it says the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, for 18 years. 18 whole years. Israel was under punishment from God. However... However, Israel clearly did not cry to God during this time period. It says so much because it says, but when the children of Israel cried to Yahweh, Yahweh raised up a savior for them. So it took the, the Israelites 18 years to cry out to Yahweh. They were still following their idols for 18 years before they started crying out to God again. This reminds me of that, that famous hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus which I, I really like that hymn. And uh, one of the verses, I think it's the first verse, it says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I mean, how true is that? We, we carry so much pain and so much stress and so much irritation because we don't go to God and ask God to help us with everything. It actually says in scripture to bring everything to God in prayer because uh, he cares about everything that's going on in our lives and he wants us to recognize our need for him. It actually says to literally throw all of your burdens onto God's shoulders. 
through prayer. But we don't do that. We do exactly what this hymn is talking about. We don't carry everything to God in prayer. And because of that, we bear needless pain and we choose not to have peace. And that's exactly what the Israelites here are doing. For 18 years, they refuse to pray to God, to ask God to save them. But then finally, they do. And so here's a thought for you guys. How often do you pray? How often do you bring all of your worries to God? Perhaps if you if you actually made a habit of doing that more often, you would have less worries. <laughs> and I'm speaking to the choir here, okay, because I'm speaking to myself. I often, I'm actually very, very bad at prayer. I think I've mentioned that multiple times on the podcast. And I'm sure that there are plenty of things that I just deal with and could probably ask God to help me with that I don't ask God to help me with. But it's just a thought. Maybe we should pray more often and ask God to to help us more often because he wants to help us. So finally, when the children of Israel cry to Yahweh and ask Yahweh for his help, Yahweh raises up a savior for them, this guy named Ehud, the son of Gera, and he was a Benjamite. So he was from the tribe of Benjamin, and he was also a left-handed man. Now, this is a very important part of the story because left-handed people were supposed to become right-handed people. I actually remember my grandma, she she talked to me about that. She said she was born left-handed, but she was forced to learn to become right-handed. And I don't know why that that was. (laughs) But anyway, Ehud, this guy here, was a left-handed man. And this would have been really, really rare for this time period, just because everybody had to learn how to be right-handed. And so anyway, Ehud happened to be left-handed. And it says that the children of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. So the Israelites had to pay tribute to the king. Now, this could have been money, could have been gold, it could have been silver, it could have been food, it could have been wool, uh, it could have been any number of goods that the Israelites produced. And so Ehud and a handful of Ehud's men take this tribute to Eglon, the king of Moab. So finally, once the tribute is given to the king, the king sends them all home. And Ehud goes home partially with the rest of the men that were there to pay the tribute. And he he says to the men, he's like, okay, go home and I'm going to go back to the king. So he goes back to the king and he says, oh, king, I have a secret message for you. And this would have been maybe pretty convincing to the king of, of Moab because Ehud came alone. There was no warriors with him. There was nobody with him. And to say that he had a secret message would have been really like titillating for this king. He would have been like, oh, a secret message for me, huh? So um, the king sends everybody out. He's like, keep silence. He yells at his servants. And so all who stood by him left him. So they all leave. And so Ehud comes up to the king and he says, I have a message from God to you. And so he holds up his left hand and he pulls out this sword that he made from his right thigh. He had it hidden like on his right thigh and he pulls it out and he literally stabs it into the king's stomach. He thrusts it into the king's body. Man, the Bible sure is not uh, scared to get grotesque. And this is part of history. This is all part of history. 
But there's a few things that actually make this story a little bit more interesting. The first thing is that Ehud was a left-handed man, as we earlier discussed. So the king would not have thought anything of Ehud holding up his left hand and drawing out his sword. Because that wasn't common. Warriors didn't fight with their left hand. The king wouldn't have suspected anything if Ehud starts raising up his left hand, especially if he's expecting to hear a secret message from God, Yahweh, to him or whatever. He wouldn't have expected anything. So that's one reason why this is really interesting and why the king just didn't expect Ehud to plunge a sword into his stomach. The other reason is because it says that Eglon the king was actually a very fat man. Now we know throughout history that fat is considered beautiful because historically people who were fat had a lot more food than the the people who weren't fat. Eglon the king clearly had an abundance of food and maybe it was because Israel was like supporting this king Eglon. Perhaps at one point in time, he really was a warrior 18 years prior to this and was able to take Israel. But now he was just living off of what the children of Israel were supplying to him. And so he had grown very, very large. So Ehud, going back to the left-handed man, he pulls out this sword that he made and that he hid on his right thigh. He pulls it out and stabs the king with it. And it says that the king was so big that the sword went all the way through his stomach. And it says the fat actually went over the handle of the sword. This next part, though, is is the really grotesque part. And we don't have the exact understanding of the Hebrew, just to let you know. But most people believe, most scholars believe, that the, the sword went through the king's stomach and either out of fear or in death, he relieved himself. In other words, he pooped. And so Ehud leaves. He gets out of there very quickly and he shuts the door behind him and actually locks it. He locks it so that the servants can't come in to where the king was sitting. And so he leaves out the back patio is what it says. So now the servants are wondering what's taking the king so long. They're standing outside the door. They're rattling the doorknob, knocking on the door. And they're like, hmm, maybe the king is relieving himself. It actually says here, surely he is covering his feet in the upper room. Now, what that means is that he is going to the bathroom or relieving himself. It's just a very, uh, very old fashioned and nice way of saying that he is taking a dump. Now, why would they think that he is pooping? Because it's very likely that it smelled very bad and the odor was seeping through the door. They waited, it says, until they were ashamed or embarrassed, depending on the version that you read. So the servants are waiting outside. They're waiting so long that they actually become embarrassed. And so uh, they take a key and they open up the door and that's where they find the king dead on the floor. And it says Ehud escaped while the servants were waiting outside. And so he passed beyond the stone idols and he escaped to Sirah. So he needed to get out of there. He needed to escape because he had just killed the king of Moab. And this would have been very bad for him had he been caught. Now, these stone idols, they're actually mentioned twice here in verse 26 and also in verse 19. These stone idols, it says that they were by Gilgal in verse 19. Now, what is really sad about that is the fact that these stone 
idols were likely the same ones that the Israelites set up after the Jordan River was parted, like way, way back when Joshua was still alive and when the Israelites first went into the promised land, God parted the Jordan River for them. And God actually told the Israelites to set up a monument of stones from the bottom of the Jordan River so that the Israelites would remember God caring for them, caring so much for them. But now all of a sudden they're called stone idols, which means that the Israelites began worshiping this monument that God told the Israelites to set up. And this monument wasn't supposed to be an object of worship. It was supposed to be a remembrance of how good God was to the Israelites. But that just shows here how far the Israelites were from God, that they were even worshiping the stone monument that God told the Israelites to set up. Now they're called stone idols. So it says that Ehud went past the stone idols and escaped to Syrah. And when he had come to Syria, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim. And it says the children of Israel went down with him from the, the hill country and he led them. So he became another judge of Israel. And then he said to them, follow me for Yahweh has delivered your enemies, the Moabites into your hand. And so they did follow him. And it says that they took the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites. They didn't allow anyone to, uh, to cross over the Jordan. And they struck 10,000 men of Moab, every strong man and every man of valor and no man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel and the land had rest for 80 years. Look, I mean, look at this story. Great things happen when people start praying to God. When people start turning back to God, that is when good things start to happen. And this is historically accurate, not just in the Bible, but throughout history. No matter how much people don't like this fact, they can't really dispute it. The most blessed nations on earth for the past several hundred years have been Christian nations. God blesses people who worship him. And the Israelites here, as soon as they turned back to God, he started to bless them. And he, and he gave them Ehud. And he allowed Ehud to prosper against this very corrupt king and against all of the Moabites who were persecuting Israel for 18 whole years, but God saved them as soon as they began to cry back out to him. So my challenge for everybody listening into this podcast, because you know I always like to, ha- uh, to end with a good challenge, is take more things in prayer to God. Like when you're struggling with something, just take 60 seconds to say a prayer to God and to ask him to help you. And man, if you get into a habit of doing that often and taking more things to God, who knows how your life is going to start changing. Well, faithful listeners, I hope today's uh, passage from Judges 3 was encouraging to you, even though it was a very, uh, <laughs> very interesting and gory story. There's, there's always a lesson to learn in scripture. And this one happens to be, I think, about prayer and the power of prayer. But faithful listeners, I hope to see you all on Monday because we're going to talk about Judges chapter four. And don't forget to go over to the YouTube channel, check out the videos I already have over there, and also subscribe to the channel because I have two new videos that I'm going to be working on in the next coming weeks. And I am excited about those videos and they will not be available anywhere else other than YouTube. Friends and faithful listeners, have a fantastic and beautiful and sunshine-filled weekend. I will see you all on Monday. Happy listening and God bless.